So I thought, I thought I would rally the King's speech. And uh, for all you KJV lovers out there, maybe you'll appreciate our sermon title today, What Doth Ye Consume? There was an illustration that I was going to be using, and then I realized what it was truly about uh, from Shakespeare. And uh, it was about consuming ale. And uh, maybe that had a little bit of influence here on, uh, on our sermon title but I really want you to contemplate this on the Sunday where we focus on joy in the Advent season. What doth ye consume? And your mind may go to a lot of different places, and it probably should. If you know me, you're wondering, okay, where are we going with this? My responsibility is to show you and share with you the scriptures and what that looks like this morning out of the text. So turn to Luke 2. We are actually going to go with just a straight-up Christmas passage this morning. Luke 2, 8 through 20. And we're going to look at this concept of what it is that consumes us. We're going to look at four different avenues this morning in context to joy. And how are we consumed with joy? Let me ask the Lord to open the eyes of our heart this morning. Father God, to you be all glory and, and magnificence and a praise this morning. We exalt you, Father, because you are worthy of that exaltation. Wherever we are gathered today, Lord God, I pray that our hearts are focused, our minds are focused, our, our spirit is focused, and that you truly would intersect with each person that hears this message, work in your powerful way, Father. Amen. Well, today we're focusing on joy. We're in the Advent season, and we have been... Uh, We've been covering hope, we've been covering peace, joy we cover today, and then we'll move to love uh, next week. So when it comes to this question of what consumes you, let me ask some contextual questions. Are you consumed with what you don't have? Well, here's a great quote. Wanting less sometimes is a greater joy than having more? Are you consumed with uncertainty? Well, if that's the case, maybe this quote helps. Praise is the soil in which joy thrives. Are you consumed today with your thoughts, with all of the challenges that the world presents to you, with the circumstances within your own life? Whatever it is, this is familiar territory, I think, for many of us. Are you consumed with your thoughts? Then maybe consider this. The victor in trial and distress is the pilgrim who sees the terror in the moment and yet focuses on the splendor of heaven. 
Mm, that's good. Let me say that one more time. If, if you're consumed with your thoughts today, think in this context. The victor in the trial and distress is the pilgrim who sees the terror in the moment and yet focuses on the splendor of heaven. St. Cyprian said this, and I'm enjoying kind of looking through what happened during Cyprian's time. Cyprian was a, a bishop in northern Africa at the time of, of an a incredible plague. It, it would make what we're going through uh, look like a, a, a small allergy session. And this was a time where the church, and I encourage you, go study it, go look up Cyprian's plague. It was a time where the church really stood up. It's a time where the church was persecuted. It's a time where the church learned what real sacrifice means. He said this in context to the world around him. It is a bad world, an incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst, in the midst of it, a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. They are, dis <clears throat> they are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people are the Christians, and I am one of them. This morning, what consumes you? Well, that was a lot of quotes in context to setting up and hopefully setting the plate or the table, if you will, to get us to consider how to be consumed by joy today. Think of this quote, and this is the one I really want you to walk away with, although those others were fantastic in their own right. But consider this. Joy isn't conditional in my life because of Jesus Christ. Rather, joy is a condition of my life because of Jesus Christ. Let me say that one more time. Joy isn't conditional in my life because of Jesus Christ. Rather, joy is a condition of my life because of Jesus Christ. This morning, let's start with the angels. We're in Luke 2. We love angels, don't we? we? We love angels because all angels are good. Now, theologically or doctrinally, that's a little loopy. I would fail a test if I was taking a the theological 300 level class because demons technically are, are bad angels. They're ugly angels. They're just ugly. If you've ever seen a demon, it's ugly, okay? And, uh, and, and, but, but we don't, we, we revere angels so much. They are so precious, right? We dress our children up as angels for Christmas pageants that we just renamed the bad angels. And so uh, hopefully I haven't distorted your view as we get into the scripture this morning, uh, but we travel afar, there's the King's English again, we travel afar to the hillsides, the cold hillsides 
of Bethlehem. They're dark, except for the stars in the sky. They're dark, and they're quiet, except for the bleating of the sound of sheep. Imagine being out there. For these shepherds, it's just another Tuesday, right? And uh, maybe a couple of them have nodded off. It's just the regular job. They got the night shift. And their life is about to change. Think about the monotony of being a shepherd. You think your job is bad. You got to be out in the elements. They were some of the first environmentalists. They were the original Dr. Poles, right? And, uh, and they're out there doing what they do, which is not too technical, not too complicated, and probably not too highly revered amongst the commonwealth of Bethlehem. Yet these are the individuals that the angels chose to speak to. Not some dignitary, definitely not the king, Herod, or the governor, or the high priest, or any religious leaders, but shepherds. We'll get to them next. Let's go back to the angels. So starting in verse 8, we're going to be in 8 through 13. Follow along with me. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel, singular, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. Can you imagine? Hey, uh, hey Samuel, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Or did I just, you know, did I have some, some funky wine earlier? Are, are, is that a glow in the distance? Or am I, is that a person that's glowing? Or am I, are you seeing somebody get into the, into the reports, see if this has ever happened before? Nope. Unprecedented. They were filled with fear. A very legitimate reaction to their circumstances. This wasn't in the job description. Let's keep going. So they were filled with fear, and the angel said to them, okay, now it speaks. <laughs> it's not enough for just it to show up. We could just please keep it to that, right? Think about all you people that watch that ghost channel, right? And uh, how, how the hair stands up on the back of your neck. First of all, if you've got hair on the back of your neck, you need to get groomed. But second of all, uh, you've got issues if you're watching those shows. But, but, you know, people watch that so that they can experience the exhilaration of fear. And, and just seeing like, this fake apparition that's digitally enhanced somehow into the post-production causes fear. But what if it actually speaks? Can you imagine? So the angel speaks, and it says what? Hey, guys, how's it going out here? You guys got some extra hummus? No. 
Even the messengers of God understand our position. Even the messengers of God, this angel understood the human response to a supernatural engagement. So he starts out addressing their circumstances. Stop fearing. It's okay. Not only that, he says, fear not, for behold. So when you see for behold, the King's English once again, what does that do for you? What does that say? What that should help us understand is there is a really big thing that's going to be announced, right? Attention, Walmart shoppers, right? Your ears perk up when you hear that? When, when suddenly something shows up on your feed saying, hey, there's a, there's a sale. Behold, there's a sale on that very thing I was looking at or that I was speaking about the other day and now I have no idea how this is showing up on my feed because someone's listening out there and now you have fear. Behold, the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign. So here's the announcement. Here's the good news. The very thing that will change the world is happening today. The world changes today. So many of us are living in fear and we're holding on to this hope of a vaccine, right? Let me go back to Cyprian's time. And, and, and the connective tissue here. What if they announced, and many of you have been listening to this and paying deep attention, what if they announced today, behold, the world is going to be fixed at 3 o'clock today. Now, if that's coming over CNN, Fox News, ABC News, MSNBC, or any of that kind of stuff, you're going you're to wonder. But if an angel shows up to you and says, behold, the world changes today. Would you consider that good news? So, number one, he understands the fear. He says, don't fear. Then he says, I'm going to give you something big here. Then he gives it to them. And then he requires something of them. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, oh, wait a minute, it's not enough for me just to say this. Man, I'm bringing in the whole band, okay? And so here comes a multitude of angels, and, and I don't have time to go into what multitude means, but it's just know this, it's a lot, right? There are a lot of angels. So if you weren't impressed enough by one angel coming to you, we're going to sell the whole thing. It's the crescendo of the commercial. Any good marketing person will tell you it's that last five seconds that really matters for the consumer. And it's almost as if the angels knew that. Because we're programmed to fall into the traps of our thoughts. We're programmed to be consumed with our own thoughts, which have limitation. And so the angel brings in the whole band just to emphasize, in case you've gotten over the shock of me showing up, let me really bring home the point so you are consumed with what I just shared with you. 
the angels were consumed with sharing good news that would change the world. Have you ever been part of a production somewhere? And you're, you're like really excited to, to get out there on the stage. You're nervous, but you've been working at it for a long time. You know, our worship team has worked and practiced so that they can bring you the music today. Um, normally, we would have a Christmas production here, and there would be a practice that would go hideously bad, and children would be crying, and, and the person who, who runs the whole show gets flowers, and they tell me in private afterwards, I'm leaving the church and Christianity. This was not worth it. We do it to ourselves every year. So think about that moment, whatever it is in your life, maybe it was your wedding, whatever it is, you're, you, that's that anticipation. Maybe it's Christmas Day. You can't wait to bring a gift to the people you love. Can I share with you that I, I believe that's the tenor of what this angel is saying? Can you imagine being the one knowing what God's plan is? being in the throne room and you've been waiting as a celestial chorus of, of choir and, and, and messengers. It's what you're programmed for. It's your job to bring messages. And this is the best message ever. And you're standing in line and, and the Father points to you and you say, yep, you're going to be the one. You get to do this. Here's the message. The angel was fully vested. The angel was consumed with bringing this news that would change the world, that would bring joy to an incredibly dark time. And it's almost as if his buddies couldn't wait. I'm referring to him in the personal pronoun of he. I'll just let you know, theologically, I have no idea what the neuter is of, of an angel. Um, for those of you that might be tripped up by by that kind of language. So the angel, the angel, brings in its friends. They are consumed with getting this message out. They glory, they revel, they sing, they proclaim. When was the last time you did any of that over anything? But especially over Christ. Are you consumed with sharing the message of the angels? Am I consumed with sharing the message of the angels? I need to look at how excited they were. I need to learn from their example that they knew because they walk in the halls of heaven. They knew what this meant for mankind. They were stoked. They were glorifying God in the highest Let's move to the shepherds. And let's start to ask these same questions about the shepherds. Let's continue on. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, wow, that was really intense. And why don't we go over to Saul's place? He's got, uh, he's got kind of a nice warm fire and we can hang out. We can just kind of chat about this. And then we can swear an oath to one another as to whether we're ever going to tell anybody what just happened. And so not to be kicked out of the shepherd's 503 union. Nope, that's not what the scripture says. You see, the angel gave them instructions and says, we're going to give you a sign of what we're talking about. 
Go to Bethlehem and you will find this child lying in a manger. An angelic being comes to you, gives you the opportunity to see confirmation. Would you be consumed with verifying that? Here's what I find strangely ironic is that, interestingly enough, people don't need God in their own minds. That's why they're not consumed with God. And sometimes we as believers, quote unquote believers or Christians, we don't need God. And it's evident because of how we act, because of what consumes us. We're getting along just fine by ourselves, aren't we? Why pursue Jesus on a daily basis? Maybe I'm too consumed with other things. Maybe I just don't believe the message. Maybe that message, I feel, would cost me too much. Are you consumed with searching for Jesus this Christmas season? The shepherds most definitely were. And as they were consumed, they put their thoughts into action. And in those thoughts, they pursued into Bethlehem. I have a recommendation for you. Start living life like the shepherds. You've been given the same message. Either it's true or it's not true. Either it's going to be life-changing and it's going, to be, it's going to bring peace into your life, or it's not. But certainly don't sit back, because the shepherds didn't, right? They could have approached all of what was given to them with incredible apathy, and not been consumed with this message. They could have said, ah, you know, what's going to happen to the sheep if we leave? Uh, hey, the, uh, the swing shift is due here in an hour. I'm not sure we can get back in enough time. I don't want to get fired. Yeah, you know what? If they said the baby was born there, we could go a week from now. The baby's still going to be there. I think this is one of the reasons we do not have joy in our life. We do not allow ourselves to be consumed with the message and the reality of Christ. We make excuses. We are not searching for Jesus on any given day. Most of us are just searching how to get through the day. Remember our quote, joy isn't conditional in my life because of Jesus Christ. And yet so many of us have stopped searching for Christ on a daily basis because we think the antithesis of this. Jesus, you promised me joy, but my circumstances are overwhelming. Did you visit the manger today? Did you listen to the message and believe the message? And did the message move you? Because these shepherds, they end up going, they experience incredible things. They see the child. It's written about for history. Their families brag about it. And it says that when they left, they were praising God. They were rejoicing but so much of the time, even for those who claim Jesus Christ, their joy is conditional 
Because they stop searching for him every day. Take a, a lesson. Be consumed with searching for Christ. Be consumed. Let me give you a practical outworking of this. And, and you might get a little weirded out by it, but I, I, at first I wrote it out, and then I was like, no, that's kind of weird. And I, I erased it, and then I'm like, well, no. We're adults in the room. <laughs> we'll get it. I really can't think of a better way to implore you or instruct you or give you the, the tools to do what we're talking about in being consumed in searching for Christ daily. Date Jesus. Some of you have married Jesus. In other words, you've committed, you've made your statement of faith, and just like so many sorry, horrible, ridiculously bad marriages, you just coexist with him. And there is no relationship. And just like those joyless marriages, that is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because you stopped dating him. You remember what it was like dating your spouse? Get out once in a while. What? What does that even mean? It means go out with Jesus somewhere and do something with him. Okay, this is where you turn the channel, right? That means why don't you just prayerfully ask him to partner with you so that you might notice somebody who needs encouragement today or needs prayer today. And when you experience that, when God works in those ways, in incredible ways, that deepens the relationship because you did something with him. You got out with Jesus. In my life group on Tuesday, I asked, give me one impossible prayer. The first thing I asked was, tell me, tell me a joyful moment, one of the most joyful moments in your life. And we had an incredible life group this past week. But when it came to some of the impossible things to pray for, it requires Jesus to show up. This is what it means to search for Jesus. To be consumed with searching for Jesus. It means you got to play some risks. You played a risk. Many of you played a risk when you asked her or him out the first time. But there was a reward and in checking in with one of those individuals yesterday who had been suffering for quite a while, physically, the next day, their exact words were, with joy in their voice, oh man, I'm a thousand times better. And here's what was really cool is that somebody else in the group recommended like a supplement that they were taking. And so they got it. They only took one shot of the supplement and they're saying, okay, yeah, I took that, but I think there's something else going on here because it takes a while. This person even said it takes about three weeks for this to, to hit. How cool is that? We got out with Jesus. By the way, once you go out, if you're truly consumed with searching for him and going out with Jesus, why don't you ask him what he wants to do? How much of the time our communication with Jesus is all about what we want or what we need? You want join the relationship? There's got to be dialogue. 
And if we truly believe Jesus is who he says he is, then he's got the better plan for the date, doesn't he? Ask him what he wants to do. And then I encourage you, do what the shepherds did. Eventually, we're going to hear it. Go home and reflect on how good the date was. Right? I think we, we can reflect on that. I think we can relate to that. I think we can also relate to how bad some dates were. Right? But think about the ones you came home and, and you had a, a difficult time going to sleep. Because it just opened up possibilities. And your mind was racing. When was the last time you felt that way about Christ? That may be directly linked to you being able to be consumed by joy. Let's move to Mary. So verse 18, we're going to go backwards a little bit here, um, just because it's, it's in the mix. Actually, I, let, let me finish the whole thing here, because I didn't read all of what happened. The, the shepherds say, let us go over to Bethlehem and see... <clears throat> this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They w- weren't really dragging their feet, were they? All right. Think of your kids when they're going to an amusement park, Disneyland, Discovery Kingdom, whatever it is. You know, you, you amp up as a parent and you're ready to throw a leash on them because they are so excited. They are rushing to the first ride. Or maybe that's just you and your kids can't keep up with you. That's kind of what we're talking about. They went with haste, searching for Jesus, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. By the way, there's a comma there. I didn't read that very well. because It sounded like all three were lying in the manger. Let me read that again. They found Mary and Joseph, and the baby was lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, and this is our key verse for this point, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. My question to you is, as we're wrap, we wrapped up that point about the shepherds, when was the last time you had exceeding joy when it was connected to Christ? Maybe it's because we're not acting on the message. Maybe it's because we're not moving, we're not searching, we're not going in haste, because maybe we have a problem believing the message because our thoughts our mind has been corrupted with all the ugliness that's around us. I'm going to give you a hint. That's a hint right now, actually, to where we need to think and what should consume us, that we might have joy. But it says that Mary treasured these things up in her heart. Everybody else wondered, what, what are these shepherds? By the way, who invited these guys? Right? We just had a child... We're kind of in a lowly estate, according to the person who wrote Holy, O Holy Night. And somebody let these guys in. They're, they're a little dirty. They smell bad. But wait, they insist they've got this really great message. And so they share the message. And those that were there are kind of scratching their head. What? 
It should say, because both Joseph and Mary received a message from Gabriel, it should say both Joseph and Mary were rejoicing and wondering at these things in their heart. Unfortunately, Joseph is a guy, and it takes a little bit longer for guys to get these things, right? So what we're looking at in specific is that Mary is the one who treasured these things up in her heart. And in doing so, you have to ask why. Because she was given a message, and she had held on to that message tightly. In holding on to the message, sometimes we start to doubt. And you think about what may have been in her mind as she had this child under duress, what Gabriel said, is it really true? Would the Messiah truly be born in this humble estate? I often wonder, did the angels share with the shepherds so that Mary could be encouraged? So that Mary, who's consumed with the, thought, with the thoughts and the, and the challenges of saying, okay, I had this child... Joseph and I know the secret in the room. Now what? This is this beautiful picture of how God interacts with us, brothers and sisters. God saw it fit to send a messenger to talk to a dignitary, an ambassador, a religious leader. No, to lowly shepherds. The most or, or, or the least suspected messengers that Joseph or Mary could have thought of, but probably the safest. And so they come and they bring this message, and I truly believe this is why Mary treasured this in her heart. Confirmation that when God says He's going to do something, He's going to do it. And sometimes we need to hear that from outside sources, don't we? You know, my question to you in, in context to Mary is, are you consumed with God's confirmational acts all around you? Because they're there. Or are we consumed with the challenges and difficulties and circumstances of life? Joy isn't conditional in my life because of Jesus Christ. Rather, joy is a condition of my life because of Jesus Christ. This can be true if we are consumed with knowing, searching, and interacting, and worshiping Jesus Christ. So here's what you could do. You want to have this confirmation. Let me encourage you to do exactly what, what I shared about with our life group. Tell two people this week what Jesus has done in, through, and around you. Because you never know if you're going to be the messenger like the angel or the messenger like the shepherd. But I can tell you many of you and even some people in this room, you are unbeknownst messengers and you have been for me. There have been moments in my life where doubt has entered in and I've been consumed with am I doing the right thing? And suddenly God will speak through one of you to confirm a conversation I have had with the Lord and I am left to my own recourses to wonder, to wonder, where did I get that word? Right out of the text. To wonder, is this really God that I heard? 
And then He sends one of you as a messenger. And it builds my faith. And now I'm consumed with the message, not my own inabilities, fallibilities, doubt, and faithlessness. Tell two people this week what Jesus has done in, through, and around you. If you can't find anything, go back to being a shepherd. Go back to being... What, what does he mean? <laughs> what does that mean, go back to being a shepherd? Our point with the shepherds was go in search of Christ. If you can't see how God has worked in, through, and around you, go back to the previous step and go in search of Jesus Christ and His message and who He says He is. The last point today is you. And let's turn to James 2. Uh, I'm going to read 1 through 12 because I, I want you to hear the entirety of it. <clears throat> and many of you are familiar with this passage. Sony actually said it in his prayers without even knowing that I had it teed up for this morning. So before I read this, I guess my question is, it assumes a lot. Why aren't you joyful? If you're struggling with joy today, why aren't you joyful? And then I'll ask you a question that maybe you get a lot of. What are you full of? What are you full? Because you've got to be full of something. The question is, what am I consumed with is what I'm full with. So that leads to the next question is, what do I want to be filled with? Joy is a decision away. Joy is a choice away. And we can instantaneously, and I have lived this personally, we can instantaneously, through the power of Christ, give up those things that are so toxic in our life that keep us from Christ or searching for Christ, and we can move into a life that is full. That's what Jesus promised. I come to bring you life and life to the full. And part of that fullness is joy. So if I ask you this question, you know, why aren't you joyful if you're not? Let me take you to the passage this morning. James 1, 2 through 4. Um, I'll read all the way down to 12. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. How many of us just get stressed over our insecurities? But if, if we have insecurities, they're probably centered around what we term or what we uh, interpret as our failures or our lack of capabilities. And so why would this concept, this principle, this promise from the Lord, not fill our hearts? Why would we not be consumed with this idea that 
We need to consider it joy when we face these difficult times because they give us the opportunity. Probably wasn't easy for those shepherds to travel throughout town asking, knocking at doors. Anybody in here had a baby? Right? I, I try to get some people just to go stand on the street corner and, and, and sing Christmas carols. And uh, that doesn't work out very well. We did it one year here. It's one of my most joyful moments. We, we had a group of people, I think it was about 10 people, and we got on BART, we drove our cars, we went into Union Square in the city in San Francisco, and uh, our, our worship leader, Stephen Morgan, was there, but nobody wanted to start. It was so intimidating. Even the worship leader was like just kind of looking at me. You wanted this, you do it. So I, I just kind of suckered everybody into standing into an elevated area. I just said, hey, you know, let's, let's go over here by this coffee shop and just kind of stand right here and, and let me figure this out. And so uh, they all kind of stand, but, you know, beautifully, I got them kind of arranged the way they should be standing, the way we rehearsed. And uh, I, I have a soft, delicate voice. I don't know if you've realized that. So as soon as the production that was going on in the middle by this 400-foot tree ceased, I cued in on it like, like a, a Disney production manager and, and said something with my best Disney park, ladies and gentlemen, appearing for your enjoyment today, the greater Contra Costa County singers presenting a Christmas wonderment. We had 400 people turn and look right at my people, and they nearly melted off this platform. But it was show or go, and so we just started singing, and it was beautiful. And I'm standing on the end, because that's where you put the, the, the baritones or the basses. I'm standing on the end, and this security guy walks up to me, and he's all... It's like a scene right out of some sitcom. And I'm singing, joyful, joyful, you know, right? And this guy's like, you can't be doing this. And I'm all, joyful? Yes, we can. And he goes, no, you can't. I said, yes, we can. He says, no, you can't. I said, I asked about a permit last week, said they didn't need one. He goes, you need a permit. And, and so this is going on all during Oh Holy Night. And, and my team is just, you can sense the joy for me. We made an incredible memory that apparently was illegal. Um, <laughs> But I will share with you, I did check the week before. I was told we could sing in there, but the person didn't clarify we couldn't sing by the tree. We had to sing on the outside sidewalk. So we took our act on the road and, uh, and continued to have joyful moments. We never would have had that if we didn't search. And, and it became a trial, and it became scary, and it became a time for our insecurities to take over. But you know what? We got pretty good. And once we had done that under that kind of scrutiny, nobody wanted to leave. We just kept going from alcove to alcove around Macy's and around Union Square and singing and people would stop and listen. And there in the midst of the city, we were sharing God's love and the true Christmas message. I'll never forget it. But it was hard. And it brought out a lot of insecurity. We want the full effect of what God wants to perfect in us. That will bring joy. That does not come without going through trials, my friends. And in finishing up this morning, let me remind you of this. If I'm going to ask you the question, why aren't you joyful right now? 
Some of you have not yet sought after Christ. I encourage you, seek after him. You know, a a very wise man uh, in the 20th century once said this, that Jesus is either a lunatic, he's a liar, or he's Lord. At least do the due diligence to find out. Rather than not searching at all and just letting this good news just blow right by you. If you've tasted saving faith, you know how this ends. So be consumed with that. Remember the quote that I had earlier, the victor in trial and distress is the pilgrim who sees the terror in the moment and yet focuses on the splendor of heaven. This is the secret, my friends, as to how we can have joy in the midst of dark times. Cyprian knew it. The shepherds knew it. Mary knew it. Seek and be consumed with Him. What are you full of? Fear, hurt, insecurity, humiliation, anger, self-loathing, shame, pride, greed? How about joy? Joy is a choice away. How about being joyful because you believe the good news of the shepherds and angels? Joy isn't conditional in my life because of Jesus Christ. Rather, joy is a condition of my life because of Jesus Christ. This is my motivation I went out with Jesus this week. How did I do that? Because I've got a friend, someone who attends this church who needed encouraging. And Jesus reminded me of that. So I bought him lunch. We sat out on our deck and we had lunch together. And I got this new drink. It's a lemonade. I can't remember the name of it, but as you look at this cap, some of you are out there saying, I know what that is. It's one of these drinks that has a message underneath the cap, and I turned it over, and it read, consuming this product may cause joy. Can I tell you, I have no better illustration for you today. Than to say, consuming this product may cause joy. My hesitation is that I wish I could promise you consuming this product will cause joy. If I don't consume this with a motivation and with an honesty and with the desire to search after Christ, I'm not going to get the joy that this offers. You now have had the Christmas story laid out in front of you so that you can pursue experience and be consumed by joy focus on what you consume let me close in prayer and then we're going to have the lighting of the advent wreath and i'll give some instruction on that in just a moment father thank you for the glorious glorious story that we were able to look at the historical events to see how you work in through and around us And I pray, Father, that we are consumed by you so that we experience the joy that you have promised in our life. And the joy can be manifested in many different ways, but 
Lord, the most powerful way I know is for those like Cyprian or like the shepherds or like Mary who are in bad circumstances, that the world is a bad place, and yet they can rejoice greatly. They can treasure things up in their heart. That we can know this is our present this Christmas from you. Thank you, Lord. To you be all glory. Amen.